college basketball friends. Here we go. It's episode 44 of Mad About Hoops. Thank you so much for being with us. Four days of the NCAA tournament are in the books. We've had time to take a breather, to appreciate all the upsets, to stop saying, oh my goodness, this was the wildest NCAA tournament first four days that I've ever seen. We say that every freaking year. We had a 15 seed beat a two seed. We know that, but it's happened eight other times before this year. A one seed went out like Illinois. It happens a lot where an eight or nine beats a one seed, but still, I, I get it. Appreciate what happened. Appreciate the madness and the mayhem. Rip up your brackets. It's the same story every year. We talk about <laughs> things that'll go into these games, matchup-wise, all that stuff. You just throw it out the window. I think there was a dog. Someone on social media was pointing out their pet and how they tried to pick the games based on mascots and all that goofy crap that you see. And it wound up being like 26th overall in the ESPN system through three or four days. It was one of those types of things. So Evil Bald Colin, he is doing some personal stuff this week. His head is spinning, I'm sure, from all the college basketball action. He's having car issues. He's trying to get stuff done. We had to do a pod, though. It's been a week since we've done it, and our guest for this one will have a good, healthy, lengthy conversation with Adam Jardy from the Columbus Dispatch, who covers Ohio State hoops. He was there for the tournament game, saw what the whole bubble situation was like. He's just a big college basketball fan in general. So we will meander. We will take this discussion to a lot of different places. If you love Ohio State hoops and the direction of the program, We'll give you a lot of that. How do you define success in a season? What is a program like Ohio State searching for? I'll have some thoughts about the Kansas Jayhawks and what's going on right there with their disappointing tournament exit. We're going to have a lot of fun, a good conversation coming up on episode 44 of Mad About Hoops with our pal Adam Jardy. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds, Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner, across the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He He hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. Oh! 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 Sent it in, Jerome! (laughs) College basketball. This is March Madness. All right, and like you heard us say in the open, we don't have Evil Bald Colin for this episode, which I I cannot believe it's been a week since episode 43. So you got us for the 44th episode of Mad About Hoops. This is sort of the calm in between the storms. We had four jam-packed days of March Madness. We saw Ohio State go out. We're still shocked about it. There's really... Not much else to say. We had this miserable thing where we saw one of our great players, great young man and a fantastic player in EJ Liddell, share a little bit to everyone out there what it's like, not just for him, but a lot of athletes out there. We saw Kofi Coburn then deal with this too. It's just, it just sucks, really, some of the hate-filled messages they receive. So that that kind of put a different spin and a different angle just on the loss and how upsetting it was just when we're talking about in the confines of basketball. Then you get into the Big Ten and, oh my God, it's it's just a wreck. So, Evil had just a ton of crap going on. So, I went outside and I think 
I think Adam is joining us for the first time as a repeat guest. I don't Ooh. believe we've done that yet. So Adam Jardy, terrific basketball guy, covers the Ohio State Buckeyes, but loves all of college basketball in general. He was there in person, experienced this weird NCAA tournament. So Adam, welcome back to the podcast, man. How you doing, buddy? Hey, it's been the, uh, as we were saying off air, the strangest week, I think, since Ohio State didn't even make the NIT in Feds last year. Just trying to deal with the compression of, you go from, you know, just the, the craziness of covering a season like this and a postseason that you expect to go really deep. And then suddenly, you know, it's the offseason. And yes, we're dealing with all the horrible things that were said to EJ. And you're trying to, you know, just get a feel for like who's staying, who's not going. It's just a very strange week where I just kind of feel like I'm falling yeah. in slow motion trying to get back to some semblance of normalcy. I, I completely understand. I've, I'm there myself just as a basketball fan. And then when you start to get into the, I don't know if you personally play a lot of the games. Like that's part of what keeps me interested. I, I've uh, branched off from just doing straight up bracket pools. Like I've, I've said before, I was the kid in elementary school and then middle school that was conducting the bracket pool. And I was, <laughs> getting $5 bills from kids at the lunchroom in the cafeteria, right? And then we upped it to $10 when we got into middle school. So we had like a nice little, at times it was a pot bigger than $100 or whatever. And somebody would win that and then you'd be getting a new pair of sneakers next month or something like that. But I, I do things that keep me interested even when Ohio State is out. Player pools, I, I'll tell you, is one of the fun things. I'm actually, and Evil's in this one with me, I'm actually doing pretty well. I'm in the Sweet 16 Oh, everyone's in the Sweet 16, but I still have five players left, and there's a chance I could have someone from each region moving on to the Final Four. That's the only thing I'm doing good in. I feel like everybody's bracket is just a complete POS right now. It's got to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I had Ohio State and Illinois in the, playing each other in the Final Four, Ugh. so uh, it's, it's brutal Oof. when you're on, like, the third day of the tournament and you've lost half your Final Four. Um, that, was a, that was quite a blow. I, I did get eight of the Sweet 16, which I was – decently proud of but just yeah just look across and there's just seas of red just in huge bracket or huge huge regions and it's just it is kind of depressing but um you know there's there's still no matter whether the the team that you cover is in it or not and whether or not like your bracket's doing well like the tournament delivers you know every year and i've i've watched i didn't make it up uh what what, i forget what the late game was on monday um which ended up being like I think like a thirty point blowout. Kansas, is, it's it. it's it's my Jayhawks, man. That's, it's my alma mater. It was a low point, an absolute low point for me. I didn't want to talk. I have, I don't know if I've showed you or you've seen on my Twitter page. My whole basement, half the wall under like the recessed lighting, is a chalkboard. We did a big yeah. giant chalkboard, and we, me and my son, make the bracket every year, and so it's just oh, cool. Awesome. It's just the master bracket. We don't pick teams we just write through how it goes it's kind of like how the teams now start by slapping the team like yeah when they celebrate yeah. which is a cool tradition yeah. i wrote usc's name up there at halftime i did yeah. there was yeah. no chance they were dead and it was embarrassing Th- that's the third worst loss in kansas basketball history and yeah. james naismith suffered it was hilarious they showed up there two of the worst ones james naismith took it on the chin the inventor of basketball somehow lost to nebraska back in 1900 by 40 points what the hell is right. this guy doing he invented the game he should have taken the game back after something like that happened 
didn't he have a sub 500 coaching record? I think I read that somewhere that he like for having invented the game, you would expect he would have had a lot more success than he actually did, which is kind of wild. You know, I should be the the crack historian on it, on this, but I got to check now that you brought that up because there's some crazy things with Kansas about how I think Bill Self is the eighth head coach in history. He, oh, yeah, and he, you're right. You're right. He was 55 and 60. He is the only sub 500 coach in Kansas history. But to think that they go back to the 1800s, have the inventor of basketball. They are on head coach number eight. Indiana is going to do that seemingly in a 20 year stretch. It's nuts, right? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, it's you, you have to tip your hat. I mean, when you look at like stats like that and just how unbelievably successful everyone who goes there ends up becoming and to have that kind of stability in a world that is the opposite. I mean, that's, that is, like you said, look at Indiana. <laughs> I mean, how many have they had in just the last couple of years? So um, yeah, it's a, it's a major credit to what they've got going there. And um, I'm interested to see, unfortunately, I, I mean, I think there's some tough times on the horizon for that program. Yeah, but, man, they deserve you know, it what, too. Whatever's coming down here, I don't think it's going to be very good. So um, I, I don't know, maybe we see number nine before too long. And, and look, I don't uh, clearly I my feelings are mixed now on Bill Self and how you can keep a guy sure. like Townsend on the staff. And this is all over college basketball, right? Really, Rick Pitino, why they centered in on Rick and all these guys deserve to go. It doesn't mean Rick Pitino deserved to go any more than these other guys. He was just the, the unlucky, dirty coach that got caught and was held right. accountable for it with all the other things that were going on at Louisville, too in addition to just the uh, the shoe scandal. But it's hard for me with Kansas. I guess what I go forward with is I'm I'm a fan of the players on a basketball team. You know, I'm really I, – I went to the university, so there's a connection that really could never break. And it's, it's not like I can sit here and tell you that I'm happy about some of the behind-the-scenes things that are going on, but I still root for the team. It's, it's where I met my wife. I wouldn't have our son if it wasn't for the University <laughs> of Kansas. So – there's there's things like that, but on a, on a basketball note, I'm trying to like morph this into to the Buckeyes, and maybe this makes the fans feel a little bit better. My perspective here, and maybe they don't they don't give a crap. But someone said to me like after they lost, one of my friends texted me and said, "Man, like Kansas, they just they choke. Like they talk about a big bunch of chokers." And I'm like, it's funny you say that because I'm I'm with you for. For a program that is as proud and established and wins that much, you're talking about two national championships since the 50s. And think of all the one seeds. Yeah, I just think it's a microcosm of how hard it really is and how fortunate and lucky breaks, along with talent and coaching it takes, to make it through six wins. I mean, it sucks now. If you're a Kansas fan, you look at UConn, Connecticut – what do they have, Adam? Four championships in the last 20, 25 years now? Yeah, yeah. And and one that is just like we're regarded as one of the ugliest championships ever. Against I mean, Butler, like, right? Kinda, yeah, just I mean, you know, nothing super exciting or really joyous about that just slog through an NCAA tournament, but you you come away with a banner and a championship and you have that forever. Uh you're right. It says something about the randomness of the tournament. I was actually I'm reading Joe Lenardi wrote a, a bracketology book um that I'm just finishing up. I thought I would be reading it in Indianapolis for a little while longer. Um, but he talks in there about how well, you know, obviously he's been able to predict the bracket over the years, but sure. how, like he, his breath, like, like filling out brackets once it's all seated, like he's terrible at it. Sure. Just like As everyone is. Yeah. And, and it, and it just comes down to like, 
you mostly just have to get lucky. And, you know, you know, you hate the, the cliche that, oh, it comes down to matchups, comes down to matchups. But, like, but it doesn't. I always think back. It doesn't, I, I right? Back, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I think back to, like, Fad Mata, Ohio State, year three, Greg Oden, Mike Conley. That team needs a miracle shot from Ron Lewis to force overtime, or they're not getting out of the first weekend. You know, you know it, they, they, it's a good and, point. And, 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 I mean, what an unbelievable collection of talent was on that team. I mean, you had NBA guys up and down, and – that team came that close to getting knocked out in the second round. And I've been thinking that a little, thinking about that a little bit more as I think about this Ohio state team, because I don't think that this team necessarily has, well, I, I, I feel confident saying this team doesn't have the same NBA ceiling as that team, but like this was a talented team that missed a game tying shot at the buzzer and they go home. Ron Lewis hit his shot. They advance. It, it, it really comes down to things like that small. And Thad had some teams that were really good and bowed out early. But like you said, more often than not, they survived and made pretty good runs, getting a second Final Four, reaching a national championship, going to the precipice of winning it all. It's a big deal. But it's my point, I guess, with Kansas is you would you would take that, you know, you would take the Jayhawks deal. And anyone who says different would be lying about it. You would take all the one seeds making the NCAA tournament every single year. Now, again, the things that I don't agree with, what you wouldn't probably take and what we love Thad and I loved – I loved Thad's bravado about it, too. Winning with class and integrity, and he swears by it. And to this day, no one can find any proof or evidence that anything wrong was done while Thad was here and had the great teams. And that could have also been a little bit of what contributed to him, his downslide, and how the recruits were in those last couple of classes. Who the heck knows? It's pure speculation on my part now, but... It's just there's a lot of perspective to be had because Kansas makes it to the second round, gets the shit kicked out of them. Pardon my language, but it's a podcast. So I can do a few of those here. And, and it's embarrassing. And Ohio State got caught by a, a 15 seed that was underseeded because their win-loss record was a certain way. But when you saw the two players, you don't see two players that good on a 15 seed. Weber State, the the team that I went to Weber State as well for a year, Harold the Show Arsenault and the famous guy who knocked off North Carolina and they should have beat Florida. That one went to overtime, a Mike Miller team in the second round. They really had him. Eddie Gill was the second guy that was pretty good, but they didn't have two guys going for 30. Like, that's ridiculous what Ohio State faced. So I don't think it says anything about the, the Buckeyes program is not going the right way. It's unfair. Some of the... The level, I think, I'm not going to say it's unfair, okay? The guys the guys are paid millions of dollars. I'm just saying it's my opinion that this doesn't say anything negative going forward about the program and the job Chris Holtman and his staff are doing. It's randomness in the tournament. It sucks. There's clearly a few things, A, B, and C, that they need to work on with those late-game situations. Now they know it more than ever. They also said they learned a lesson about how to get the team more prepped because they didn't make a deep tournament like that ever as a staff. That was the right. first time they dealt right. with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there. It's it's interesting when you try to think about like what do we really want to measure Ohio State basketball by? And I think this is a very nuanced um, question that could. I'm, I'm probably going to look at this in like a series of like in depth stories this off season because I really want to get into what what should the measure of success be? What should the bar be at a program like Ohio State because like what Thad did is unparalleled. You can't match it. You're talking about nine championships across regular seasons and tournaments. 
It's hard right. to match. I don't, and that wouldn't mean Chris Holtman's bad as a coach, but that's hard. That'll be hard to match. It would take ten or fifteen years, and you becoming one of the best Big Ten head coaches of all time. Yeah, and 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 you look at the circumstances that went into that period being so good. Ohio was pumping out elite high school talent at a level the likes of which it's not been for at least a decade now. Uh, other major programs in the Big Ten were down. Illinois, you know, was on the the, the tail end of of a decent run, but they were they were down. Indiana was historically down. You look at some of the like voids that that leaves in like Midwest recruiting, and Ohio State's then able to go in and get a Deshaun Thomas and you know get an Evan Turner out of Chicago, and you get some of these guys, you know, obviously a Greg Oden and a Mike Conley. Um, it all really set it Ohio helped. State up for that that incredible run of success that it had, and Chris Holtman's coaching in a very different era. Um, and and so I think when when you talk about like where's the program headed and where should the program be, I mean, I think that it's realistic to expect that they're going to be top four top you know top four maybe top five in the big ten i mean i think that's a fair expectation every year um and then you expect that you're going to have some semblance of, of tournament success but like you look at what they've done the last couple of years i mean they came one game from a big ten title in holtman's first year in year two they overachieved on a, a roster that was just i mean they had some pieces but like those games were slogs man and that season was so rough you know just basically playing around caleb wesson and hoping that he could get fouled enough you know, to make a couple of free throws and, and other guys could chip in enough that you could grind out a win. And they took that team to the tournament and, and had an upset in the first round. I think the big thing here is that we'll never know what last year's team could have done. And I, I know that that affects every program differently. I mean, Archie ends up getting fired. At, they were a tournament team last year. Indiana's in the tournament in year three. Do they fire Archie with a tournament? I, I don't know. Maybe not. But I will, I will always wonder what they could have done last season because that team was far more balanced than this team. I mean, the offense wasn't quite as um, explosive as this team's offense could be, but that the numbers would tell you, and I, in the pandemic, I had plenty of time to crunch them. Like the numbers tell you that if you're top 20 in both offense and defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm, like you're at least going to make a sweet 16. Like there were, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I would say there were 25 teams that had done that in like the last I don't know, five or six years, and, like, only one of them hadn't advanced. So, like, that team would tell you – the numbers would tell you that team was going to at least make a Sweet 16, but they don't have that opportunity. And then you come back with a team this year that is so proficient offensively and so limited defensively, and they get bounced in the first round in one of the ten, you know, biggest opening weekend upsets in tournament history. So yeah. that's clearly that's clearly a step backward. I mean, just not, not at least advancing out of the first round because – you have gotten further with less talented teams, but I don't know that that, as we were just talking about the randomness of the tournament and matchups can be a challenge. Like, I don't know that that necessarily means, Oh, the program's not headed in the right direction. I just think, you know, sometimes you have a bad game, you have a tough game like that. And it happens to come in the first round of the tournament. And now you've got a long off season. That is, that, that's a lot, man. Like it, it, there's so many interesting prongs there to explore. Yeah. Adam Jardy. He's our guest right now. We're uh, recording this on March 25th at about 2.30 in the afternoon. Both he and I are dads. We are just waiting to make that walk down to the schoolhouse before some rain sets in. So it's just two dudes talking basketball right here. And evil bald Colin, he'll be back. He just he had a lot of things going on this week and couldn't couldn't make the journey. But I, you know what? It I never expected. Buckeye fans to be talking about Thad this way now that we haven't gone back to a sweet 16 I feel it's impossible to know for sure 
but it, it certainly would seem as if a lot of the hardcore Buckeye basketball fans that were wanting Thad's head on a stake because he started to fall short of his own expectations are now just yelling at Chris Holtman. You got it, you son of a gun. You better win these championships. You better get to the Sweet 16 and beyond. My mentions were filling up with people losing faith in Chris Holtman already. I'm like, really? Like, it's going. If it's fair, I'll be on board with that. I will. Like, in Thad's. There were things going on with his health and a combination of where the yeah. game was going and recruiting. We saw it. It tailed off. Gene Smith made a decision of what the expectation is and missing the tournament two years in a row. That is not going to be it. So that that is a great question you bring up about what's the expectation going to be. It's different now, but it's certainly not unfair to ask for championships every now and then with Ohio right. State basketball. And when you get the expectations and a lot of people are picking you to be good. Those are years when you want to follow through. And if you don't do it, then you're right. You got to back up and cash in on a tournament run, but you can't go all willy nilly. The first time you have a slip up in the NCAA tournament and you lose before you should. That's just my point about that. And it's, I'd never forced, I never thought that Thad would sort of stick in the side of this much I knew he was great. It was just yeah. such a weird thing how you're one of the best coaches in Big Ten history gets, you know, fired but not fired. Hey, could you please leave? Like, you're kind of yeah. – you kind of want to go on to the next thing, don't you, Thad? Like, it was just – and we're going to hang the banner for you about three months like later. Year and a half later that, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. That was, that's still – I mean, deserve it. I mean, he deserves to have a banner hanging Of up course there. he Man, does. That was one of the more surreal things. Like, just that – I. it seemed – incredibly soon for a guy that you just showed the door to um like hey come back we love you so much we want to honor you we want to hang this up like again i'm not saying he absolutely deserved it and i was very happy for that and it's good to see him get some of that recognition that yeah um, you know the, that he wasn't getting by the end of his career but i was i was shocked by how quickly that happened um so, something you, you were mentioning a minute ago about like the mentions on twitter and just like the people that are kind of losing their minds a little bit as my dog needs hey to pup what's the what's the pup's name grady grady after, after uh at the butler certain, from the shining a certain former uh all-star center fielder uh for the my cleveland indians oh that's good all right i love i love it little grady sizemore um, shout out love the yeah. sports references the pups. I'm, I'm actually actually come to think of it, i'm wearing a grady sizemore t-shirt right now are you so. really like a homage or something uh like a used to i bought it at the ballpark back back okay. in the day like a t-shirt jersey type of thing perfect um sorry about the the noise at the door opening hey, here but um, dude it's just so it's all good i love yeah, it one of the things which you mentioned earlier like talking about the the mentions on twitter and just people kind of losing their minds i think ohio state basketball also finds itself in an interesting spot where there is a significant portion of the fan base that doesn't tune in until football is over totally and, and i think that that it's something I've, I was, I've been sort of ruminating on this. And those season. are the ones How yelling, I, right? Those are the ones yelling the loudest. Well, they that, walk into the party the latest, and they're like, you sons of guns, how can you well, lose this game? It's like, you weren't yeah. even here the whole time. It's the people that, that don't tune in until football is over, and then they look up and say, oh, what's the, what's the record of the basketball team? And if I, I, I would be curious to look at or try to find some way to, to dive into, is it better for an Ohio State basketball team to have a four-game losing streak in – November or in February because and and I mean there, there's there's one one aspect of it look at it like when do you want to be playing your best basketball that's certainly part of it but like 
I think that the negative repercussions of having a losing streak at Ohio State when football is over grow exponentially because people that don't pay much attention only tune in and see you lose a battle to Michigan and a battle to Illinois and a a tough road loss to Michigan State at the end of the season. And they say, what is happening with this program? Those people probably didn't see, you know, the first two months of the basketball season. And I'm certainly not criticizing, like, the people that read me and the people that, like, I interact with on Twitter most of the time, like, they get it. Yeah, And we still want you, by the way. We still want you. Whenever you're going to choose to pay attention right, to Buckeye right. basketball, hop on board. It's not like, yes. a, oh, we don't want – I'm never going to be yeah. that guy. Please, like whatever yes. whatever your first loves are, I understand how that works. Whenever you're ready, come aboard. Start yeah, paying attention yeah. to the basketball I team. Help them out. To be like, I certainly don't mean for this to be a criticism, but it just I think it's just a, a statement of facts that there are there's a certain percentage of this fan base that doesn't tune in until football is over, and then when that happens, they can – they get very loud very quickly. And if things are not exactly at the level that they expect them to be, which on the football side is you need to be competing for national championship every year, then it gets, it gets artificially inflated to where there's just like more and more negative discourse yeah, because it's, people are, are irrationally upset about it. And that's interesting because if, if your expectation is that you're Ohio state and you should be competing for national championships, well then why the F can't we be, equal in a basketball school as far as fan support than as a football school because it's just the natural makeup of where we live it just is indiana is a basketball state it just is that's how it's always been that's how it will always be ask anyone that grew up there my mom my dad you know anybody and then ohio state football central ohio it just is and we can just continue to do our best and the program has to keep winning and winning and winning at an un, at a ridiculous clip and they've already done that with the Thad Mata era and right. it still sort of trickles back to this. I want to ask you one more Ohio State question and then before we got to go pick up the kids, I just want to get some overall tournament perspective from you. Sure. The core of the team that's coming back. Just even put the reporter hat on us or just intel what you know, what you think. EJ, Dwayne, I'm sure hoping they maybe test waters and come back because I think they can be a monster duo in this conference. What do you see as the the whole core of the team coming back, throwing to Malachi Branham? I think that if they if the core comes back and then, yeah, you add a guy like Malachi who I think will come in, and I think he has the potential to be like a Big Ten freshman of the year, which would be a significant you know boost all around for this team. I mean, you, just, you want as many weapons as you can. And for as talented offensively as this team was, we saw by the end of the season, they were relying pretty heavily on EJ and Dwayne to carry the load. So you add a guy like Malachi, who I think can handle some of that and can be some of that. And then you add a big, they have to add a big, like I can't stress enough. And I know Chris Holtman, well, he got a little touchy about this as the year went on about yeah. the lack of size. He did. And like, oh, you know, we've got, we've got plenty of size and versatility. And These guys make matchup problems for the other bigs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I know. But they still finished where they finished defensively for a reason. And we saw physical big 10 teams take a toll on Ohio state. And I think we saw it catch up toward the end of the season. EJ's three point shooting dropped off as the season went on Kyle young for, for as hard as he plays and all the things that he does, he's not been able to stay healthy, much less be a guy who you can count on to play 30 odd games a season as a low post big 10 center, he's just not built for that as hard as he plays and as tough as he is. So if you have a big somebody who's a six eleven dude or a seven foot dude who can come in and give you 15 minutes, 20 minutes, take the load off an EJ or a Kyle, if he decides to return completely um, agree. I mean, I think that does 
that makes this team exponentially better. And I think if you add in like the, the concept of, you know, revenge, and if you believe in that, like motivating a team through the off season, we can just look back to Virginia and UMBC just a few years ago. Like, I think if you believe in that, in that potential in that, in that, you know, generating a team to, to, you know, prove itself and to, to overcome what it, you know, what it suffered. Man. Like, I mean, you, you can, it really draw, feels possible. You could really draw up a pretty solid script. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm working uh, on Friday morning. I'll have a story up about EJ cause he was asked about his future and he basically said he hadn't made any decisions yet. And that's, that's fair. I mean, we were like five days from the end of the season. Um, he had, so I wasn't right. expecting to get any. And we were there. And for people that don't know this, this is this has been national news, and you can uh, we're not going to repeat the messages from that were sent to EJ Liddell that he posted. It had like two hundred seventy-five thousand hits on his on his tweet, so you can see it. We, what we weren't there to talk about his future, really. I even felt kind of bad thinking in those Agreed. ways. He was giving yeah. us his time to talk about a societal thing and what's going on with basketball. And I don't look at that guy as weak or soft or thin-skinned at all in any no, way, shape, or no. form. I thought that was big of him to just yep. talk about that with everybody. Yes, yes. And so, so yeah, he obviously didn't have many thoughts like long-term about what he might do next season. But I was just looking up today um, because he's a sophomore who was first-team All-Big Ten. Yeah. And so I was curious, just going back a couple of years, how many guys have been first-team All-Big Ten players who have returned? Because generally, if you have all-conference talent, you need all conference talent to win the Big Ten, and if you return all conference big talent, like that, that that makes you a legitimate favorite or a legitimate contender. And so this is kind of in a in a in a void right now because we don't know what all these rosters will look like, what these recruiting classes will look like yet. But there were in going back to the 2014-2015 season, there's been 20 first team Big Ten players who've had the option to come back, whether they've been sophomores, juniors, freshmen, and of those 20, 12 of them did come back. And of those 12, nine either helped their teams have a better win total or a deeper postseason run. So of the 20, nine of them returned and helped their teams go further the, the next year. So if EJ were to decide to stay, I think that's another little indicator that you could expect Ohio State to be better next season because you have an all-conference player returning who was already a first-teamer. Um, that would that would indicate better things for next season. Man, and just the way that they lost, you think would go a long way to the decision making process, especially for a guy that can still probably hear from the NBA people on how he needs to get a little bit bigger on the glass, more attention to detail on defense. And if you say they bring in a five, EJ just seems like such a natural three with how he's shown he can shoot the basketball at the next level. Even in this level, someone that can just play off of the wing a little bit more and go inside and out, but he's not stuck to any one spot on the basketball court. A John Hara from Penn State does seem like a perfect fit. Perfect a 10 fit. and 10 Absolutely. guy who's yep. 6'11 and 245 pounds who wants to win, you know, yes. in one yes. season, and yeah, he will. And he's not going to come in and he's not going to demand, like, I want my shots. I want, like, no. you know, you let me be a part that, of it. That, I want to be a part of this. Yeah. You, you don't need a guy that's going to come in and be like the focal point, point as a five, but a guy who can come in as a five and help you and can take, like I said, take the load off. And EJ can still play the five at times. If Kyle comes back, he can still play the five at times. And you know, we haven't even talked about Zed Key. I mean, he's going to develop and he's going to demand some of those minutes. Right. Time, but, Maybe Diallo, so, I mean, too. 
I don't know about Diallo. Out on him. Yeah, we just ha- we haven't seen anything. Yeah. I love the kid. He's super nice. He comes from, I mean, unbelievable story. Um, the injury this year really, that hurt. Uh, but, you know, he came in this year as a sophomore and was very quickly outplayed by Zed Key. And Zed only played a couple of minutes by the end of the season. Um, so, I mean, he's he's very solidly behind a sophomore who's very solidly behind some upperclassmen. Um, you know, good guy to have on the on the roster. I know his teammates love him. Um, it's hard at this point to project. I thought he would have a role. Maybe he could play five, six minutes a game this season. I yeah. think he played like six minutes. So the injury didn't help, but I, I just, I'm not seeing it right now with Diallo. He would have to have a huge off season. So, you know, if you, like I said, you bring in a big and someone who can take the load off of EJ, Kyle, Zed, and then again, assuming Kyle's back. I mean, that to me is the one missing ingredient. Adam Jardy of the Columbus Dispatch is our guest. It's the 44th episode of Mad About Hoops. I don't know if I told you this, but I took my son to Indianapolis after the Bucks got bounced. It was sort of a, a therapy way to keep enjoying <laughs> the basketball. And I surprised him after his, his baseball practice on Saturday. We went back to the crib, packed a small bag, didn't tell him anything about it. And then we just, it's a quick and easy drive. It's, it's what it's so cool about having it all in Indianapolis too. And we yep. picked the Texas Abilene Christian game of all games to go to <laughs> late Saturday night. Stayed in a hotel, went to their children's museum the next day, drove back, took a picture by the stupid high top at the Steve Alford All-American Inn. We just had an all-around Indiana basketball weekend. And I, I got to tell you, it was great to see the limited attendance. And you were there at press row, and you got to see it even in a more unique setting at Mackey. I got to see the two-court setup wild thing that they had at Lucas Oil where – I'm telling you, it was like Fort Knox in the middle. We even just got lucky with where we entered because we had no idea like which side of the of the stadium we needed to enter. We just picked the right side, or else I'm assuming yeah. they would say, "No, you got to walk all the way around to the south end of the stadium," because yeah. in the middle it was all blocked off. They would not yeah. let you in. It was single ticketed events only. Totally different than sessions like we've had throughout the course of time as people enjoy March Madness, you usually on that first day would get what uh, a two game session. It would be two, two game sessions. And then the second round would be a session for the pair of games. So it's just a a basketball fans heaven. Yeah. It's, it's It's the the best. best. And that's, I mean, I'm, I'm so glad we had a tournament. I'm so glad I got to cover it. I'm so glad I got to be there. Yeah. Um, I will be so excited for next year when it's hopefully the way it's always been because like, man, that day before the tournament starts, when you're at a site, like, you know, whether it's Boise or Tulsa or wherever it is, and it's you're buzzing. at that site and there's eight teams there. And so you're running around. Like I was just looking, like I interviewed uh, Jalen Tate when he was at um, uh, Northern Kentucky um, because they were in Tulsa at the same time as Ohio state two years ago. Right. Like you're running from locker room to locker room. You're talking to this guy. You're talking to that guy. Um, and then the next day you're just in person for four games, but there's also like TVs on everywhere. And so like, you might be down in like the media area, like working, but like if the game is on and there's a buzzer beater, like, like happening, like everyone stops what they're doing and they're crowded around the TV, staring at it and yelling. And it's like, it's just the best thing. And I can't wait to like have more normal version of that next year. Yeah. And it was, it was just still so cool to say that you were there and some of the crowds were so small that you could almost sort of pretend that you were seeing like a private event, you know, that you're really not supposed to be here. The attendance is small. 
the the ticket prices were naturally higher because there's not as many of them going around so it's just it's so unique to say like you were a part of the one event that was entirely in the state of indiana it's just yeah yeah weird. That's, that's kind of what the season as a whole felt like for i mean like for me because i was at every game so i was at i'm at these empty arenas i mean at times like there might have only been four or five people who weren't part of the teams like when Ohio State played at Northwestern the day after Christmas, it was like me, one or two photographers, and like a DJ. <laughs> that was like it. <laughs> so it was – I'm always going to remember this season for the uniqueness of it um, in that way for sure. It just was quite a year. It's it's almost like you were being invited to those closed-door practices that yes. only Jeff Goodman seems to find out about, you know? <laughs> like, only the top pre- – the Rothsteins and the Goodmans and the Seths and Andys, only, like, the top of the top in college basketball reporting hears about those closed-door scrimmages. All of them were that, except for they were broadcast to the entire country, and we all got to see it, and they were wearing their uniforms this year. Some Someday, one of these days, one of these years, I'm just going to, like, hang out in the upper level of the shot and like sleep there on the floor and just hope that nobody (laughs) notices. And then like when they start the scrimmage the next day, I'll be up in like section 400 with my binoculars, just like jotting down notes. That's my goal. Nobody's going to care anymore. Like it's just, everything felt so different this year. Things will just slip through the cracks. Any, uh, any final thought on the tournament and how we go forward from here with the sweet 16 and, Probably most people didn't even get half of the Sweet 16 teams right. Loyola, Chicago. That my one biggest like gripe. How the hell was Loyola, Chicago, an a nine? Are they an eight or a nine? Whichever one they were, they were the number eight team in Ken Palm, the yeah. best defensive team in the country, and they whipped Illinois. They just yeah, yeah. took it to them. They were rested, ready, whipped them. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up, uh, you know, being un- so underseated because we're actually 10 years to the day that Kentucky upset Ohio State in the Sweet 16. Yeah, um, yeah. And that was a, mm. that was a, a terribly underseated Kentucky team as well. And that was just, March 25th? Yep. Oh, God. 10 and years. And when, when, you, when you have an underseated team, it really, you know, it, it's the ripple effect that it can have across the bracket. Uh, I mean, that's that's a loss that Thad never got over. I can tell you that definitively from my conversations with him. Thad never got over that loss because that team, the bracket was open for them. They could, they had a run. You're like, 32 and two? 32 yes. and two. Yes, yes. And, I mean, I, I rewatched the clip of Aaron Kraft's defense and, like, William Buford missing the three at the buzzer. And, I mean, it was just an unbelievable game um, and such a tough loss. But, you know, when, when you look at this year's tournament and you look who's left, I mean – you know, I've kind of felt for a while now, like I have, I've had Gonzaga winning it and I just, I just don't see anybody beating them. Now I believe that they, they could match up with Oregon. I think, um, I can't remember if yeah, that's their sweet. They, they could, that, that would be in the elite eight. They would play Oregon okay. in the elite eight. Oregon plays, is it Oregon USC now? I think it is. Cause it was going to be a Kansas Oregon rematch. That was a tournament game we had not too long ago. But, like, I think Gonzaga, Oregon would be appointment television. Like, sit down and watch that because I think that could be the first time we really see Gonzaga get truly tested. Yeah. But Al- Altman's I've... phenomenal, by the way. Dana Altman's yeah. phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. And the way that team plays, um, they, they, there's a lot to like about watching Oregon. So, um, I, I really – I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping that matchup happens. But I've just – I've had Gonzaga, and I'm still sticking with it. I just – I like – I like all the pieces – and I know they don't play in the Big Ten, but 
I, I, it feels like a team on a special mission. You know, and by the way, you mentioned that Ohio State-Kentucky game 10 years of the day now. I watched a lot of the Xavier game here recently, and I also was watching a little bit of that Ohio State-Kentucky game recently, and I think you just said it back there. Aaron Kraft's defense was sensational on that final oh, yeah. set. How yeah. do you play better defense? I mean, he moved his feet. They uh, he, he, he was in front of him. He had the yep. hand extended. He didn't foul. I mean, his hand was right in Brandon Knight's space, and he still makes the shot. I mean, you just throw your arms and say, you were defended as well as you could possibly be defended in that situation, and you still hit the shot. So and that's all, just uh, the other 39 minutes had to come into play for Ohio State that night. I'll always insist to you because Diebler hit the three right before that to tie it. Right. And yeah. Um, if you rewatch the replay, then, you know, no one, they don't take a timeout and Kraft pushes the ball up court. He's looking for somebody and he got the ball up court to Buford on the left wing. But for my, my seat, cause I was covering that game. Um, John Diebler was trailing Kraft on his right, coming up the center of the court and like basically going to the exact same spot where he just hit the three to tie it. And I'll never forget John Diebler screaming for that ball. Oh man. And I have to this day. And, and I've talked to all three of these guys about that play. And Aaron Kraft will tell you like, in that time, you're getting the ball up the court as fast as you can because you need to get a shot. Yeah. So I'm not looking behind me. And William Buford is one of their best scorers. He's I know it's a brutal yeah. game for him. Um, but, you know, he's like, you know, we trust Buford to make that shot. And John said, you know, yes, that Aaron made the right read. He was obviously, you know, you got to get the ball up there to the guy and get the best shot you can before the timer, before the buzzer goes. But I will go to my grave saying that if the ball had gotten in John Diebler's hands there, he hits that three and they win it. Because I saw it in his eyes. I saw him hit that three to tie it a moment or you know, seconds earlier. I have no doubts in my mind that if somehow that ball gets to, to John Diebler, they win that game. But we'll never know. We'll never know. Well, our local team here out early. We're not happy about it, but we're a couple of basketball junkies crazy about the sport. So we'll be locked in sweet 16 and elite eight action coming up yep. this weekend. It's just all weird with the schedules being on different days than we're used to, Isn't but weird? it's weird, but give, give me the basketball. However, I yeah. got to take it. Let's, let's do it. The Monday was kind of cool. Didn't wouldn't have, would have never wanted to try it, but that's what we had this year. So to see yeah. some of the basketball on Monday, was a nice way to get back into the week. Adam Jardy of the Columbus Dispatch. You can follow him. What's the Twitter handle again, ma'am? At Adam Jardy. Real original. Real easy. At Adam Jardy. You can read his stuff at Buckeye Extra. The Columbus Dispatch covers Ohio State. But uh, ask him questions about anything Big Ten basketball or college basketball related. He's He's been all around following Ohio State, and therefore he's seen a bunch of different teams and has a lot of different perspective as well. So that was that was fun. That was great. Yeah. Now we yeah. can go and pick the kids up from school, and we've talked for we've talked for about an hour about college basketball. So that was awesome. It felt, it felt kind of therapeutic. It did, right? Yeah. It was perfect. Well, we'll do it again. You can be a guest a third time on this podcast anytime. Thanks a lot, Adam. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Always good to talk. And once again, a really big thank you to Adam for jumping on the podcast here. That was a lot of fun. We hit on a lot of different things there, and. Uh, we didn't really script that thing out all too much. We had an ideas of just how we wanted to talk basketball. We really just hopped on and knocked out an hour. Scheduling-wise, I just texted him and said, Hey, man, can you do something right now, Thursday afternoon, just waiting to pick the kid up before school? Got my show prep already done, so you want to do this? And he said, Yeah, sure, let's go. So that was, that was really a lot of fun. It's hard to believe, too. By this time next week, we will have the Final Four completely set.
So we're going to see it. Get your rest. Sweet 16 and Elite Eight are coming up. And we'll be back soon to break it all down. Thank you so much for listening. By the way, if you've got some college basketball friends, they want to maybe try something new, big Ohio State fans, whatever, tell them about Mad About Hoops. Follow us on Twitter, at Mad About Hoops. You can email us if you want to at uh, madabouthoopspodcast at gmail.com. And as always, when you go to any of the platforms to listen to us, give a little rating and a review. It certainly goes a long way, and we really do appreciate it. And I hope you guys have a really great weekend. Hopefully, hopefully you get some good weather, get the two th- the two TV systems. Although, I, I got to look at that again. I'm, my head's still spinning. I, we're not having multiple games on at the same time anymore. That's in the past. But still, there's other sports on. Spring football, right? You got to start getting prepped for the Masters when Jim Nance is going to fire up the private jet and go from calling a Final Four to calling springtime at Augusta. Holy crap, that was in November this past year. All right, so enjoy the hoops coming up this weekend. We'll see you next time. Mad About Hoops.